0: Listen to the Vibes. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Listen to the Vibes. And I'm very happy to welcome Farah here. And she is a baker and a yogi. And well, you've got quite a story to tell. So I'm going <laughs> to let you start off. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Thanks, Kyle. Really happy to be here. I think I live in Dubai, for your listeners. And one of the questions that always gets asked in Dubai, because we all come from different parts of the world, is where are you from? that's sort of one of the generic opening questions one would ask and for me it's always a it's a little bit of a stop and pause do I go into the whole story or should I just abbreviate it or will people even know some of the terms I use so um, the long version of it is I'm a Parsi by faith um, and Parsees are Zoroastrians by religion um, I was born in London and when I was four years old my mother took me to India to see my grandmother my mother had grown up in India And we ended up staying there for 14 years. They just forgot to let me know that we weren't coming back. And I grew up and my mom sent me to the same school she went to, which was a convent in India. Um, The so-called equivalent of any English medium education and private education were the convents that the missionaries had set up. So I was educated by Irish nuns and Scottish nuns in this little town in northern India, which is Muslim predominantly, um, but India is a Hindu country um, and my home was a Parsi home. So um, I'm an amalgamation of all of that. Um, When I was 18, it came to a decision point as to whether you stay in India or or go back to the UK. The whole passport issue comes up. So I chose to go back to the UK um, and I stayed there and built my career there. And now I live in Dubai and Dubai has been my home for the last 22 years. Um, so that's kind of where I come from.
0: Well, I want to talk about the baking part. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard <laughs> okay, of it. Sh-
1: let's start. <laughs> let's start with the food.
0: Exactly. Now, have you ever heard of the show Nailed It?
1: I have heard of it.
0: Okay. So I started watching that, binge watching it, mind you. And I'm yeah. watching these people, you know, make a massacre of. these cakes and other (laughs) things and and it kind of inspired me a little bit so I decided hey I want to take up baking and we we found uh, what what we call it a kitchen aid that big mixer yeah yeah the
1: the hands-free mixer yeah they're really useful I've got one of those
0: oh yeah actually found it for like a hundred dollars I couldn't believe I got it so cheap
1: it's a bargain
0: yeah and so I, I found some recipes I tweak them here and there and found I had kind of a knack for it. And Now people bug me about, Hey, can you make me cookies? Can you make me a cake? That kind of thing. But what got you inspired to start baking?
1: So I've always been surrounded by food. Our family, our foodies, Parsis are known for their love of food as well. You know, you have breakfast and you're planning lunch and you have lunch and you're planning dinner. And so sort of rolls on. Um, And I've got a bit of a sweet tooth, but I never really baked for myself because I would have one slice and didn't want to waste the rest. You know, again, that's remnants of my grandmother. You cannot waste food on your plate and you cannot leave anything on your dinner plate. So I never really baked for myself. And then I was in London. My daughter had just been born. It was November. There was no sunshine out there. Um, And it was gray and cold. And so I was in the house and, One of the national newspapers would publish a weekly Sunday magazine, and they had a couple of recipes for biscuits, and I thought, okay, let me try these. Um, And what really appealed to me is you could make the dough and keep it in the fridge and just make a batch of biscuits that were fresh and still have dough to make another batch later. And this whole idea of being prepared and organized with a newborn really appealed to me. Um, and I tried the biscuits and they were great and friends liked them. And I just went from there and biscuits are kind of bite-sized, right? So I wouldn't feel as guilty because I could make, say, six and not waste the dough, so to speak, because it was in the fridge. Um, and just went from there and experimented and tried different, like you're saying, you know, the KitchenAid, I got a handheld whisk and I tried and um, it was successful and I got good feedback. And I think that positive reinforcement helps you try something else and be a little braver next time um, and just went from there and kept baking and I still bake right? last night I baked brownies to take into the office today um, the day before was banana bread so it keeps it keeps me busy and happy and creating
0: and and you're in the banking industry right
1: I am the banking baker I am
0: the the banking baker <laughs>
1: <laughs> or the baking banker I don't know which way around it goes but yeah
0: now, I hear that the food in London is kind of bland. Is that, is that the case?
1: I'm not sure. I think London's such a melting pot and has so many different cuisines. And actually, if you look up the London national dish, it's actually chicken tikka masala. So I'm not quite sure that we can say London food is bland anymore um, because there's so many different cultures and nationalities there and everyone's vying for a place um, in the food in the food spectrum.
0: What, what's your favorite things to cook
1: um so because i grew up in northern india north sort of indian food is what i love to cook as well um, but i make anything from lasagna to shepherd's pie to fish and chips to whatever um depends on who's coming to dinner and what they like uh, we make sure the guest is happy
0: your kids like to help you
1: They do, I'd say my son, probably more than my daughter. Um, (laughs) Whenever I'm like, I'm in the kitchen, come and help me. She's like, call out to the boy, not me. me." (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So she'd rather do the washing up than the chopping up. But uh, yeah, my son's turning out to be quite the chef um, and enjoying cooking.
0: And from what I read, you're a yogi as well.
1: I do. It's one of the things that helps me stay a little bit sane when everything else is um, not going quite to plan or just to, it gives me headspace. Exercise gives me headspace, but yoga was something um, that I had always done it as a young adult, even in London, but it became a very meaningful practice when I went through particularly tough periods in my life and it just helped keep me grounded and centered and it's kind of a mind and a body uh, workout. It's not just the physical aspects, but it's the mental sort of discipline, the stillness to your mind that you can achieve that really resonated with me and was something that I really needed at that particular point. And I've just carried on the practice. I trained to be a teacher as well. And I set up a yoga club for my colleagues at one of the banks I worked at. Um, but now I just practice.
0: Uh, so you're not teaching anymore?
1: I'm not teaching at the moment, no.
0: Uh, do you want to get back into teaching?
1: I think that would be amazing if I can fit that in, for sure. I'd love to. Um, but at the moment, I'm having these interesting conversations with yourself and other folks <laughs> around America. So, uh, yeah, that, that's that's in in the pipeline somewhere down the line.
0: Uh, maybe get out of banking and just do that full-time?
1: Yeah, then I'll be the baking yogi. The, the baking yogi. <laughs> that has a ring to it
0: any plans to do any more traveling or to move anywhere else
1: I'm always open to anything that sort of comes I can live anywhere I think part of what growing up in India and then living in Dubai and living in London has given me is the ability to straddle geographies and I'm fairly comfortable in my own skin so Anywhere where I can set up home and have a little at work and find a yoga studio and, you know, sort myself out, I'd be happy. Um, let's just see where, where the universe leads me to next.
0: Um, maybe here in Austin.
1: Never know. Never say never.
0: Yeah, I mean- <laughs> a friend
1: of mine, I was messaging a friend. She's just, she was in a messenger yesterday. She's in Austin now dropping off her son to uni. So, um, twice in two days that austin's come into um, being spoken so who knows
0: i had back surgery and whenever uh, they would have a uh, a a nurse come to the house and was helping me to get my strength back you know what we did i guess you would call it yoga it was a lot of balancing because i I can't really lift anything or do any heavy exercises. It did help me get back on my feet a lot quicker. Do you help people to, to, you know, like in my situation to get uh, that, that strength back? Or is it mainly just more a spiritual thing for you?
1: I think the physical is definitely there. So when you're talking about balance, that is the physical aspect of it, but it's also the mental, right? It's about being able to find a way of balancing whatever emotions you've had before you get to class and whatever might be waiting for you after, but finding that little bit of that pocket of stillness in the middle where you can control your mind and find a way to balance your emotions as well, along with the physical aspects of it. So, As you're on the mat and you're exercising, as you say, you got back on your feet, so you're getting stronger. So your body is getting stronger, which I think also feeds into feeling mentally stronger. If you feel able and healthy and strong enough to, you know, do certain things, you feel more equipped to deal with whatever life throws at you. So the physical is definitely part and parcel of it and important for me, along with the spiritual. Like I like feeling strong in my body, um, which helps me then feel strong in my mind. It's one of those things you you try it. And I think that sort of sense of peace or that sense of even having worked your body and it's kind of a sense of achievement in a way as well that feeds you and you want to repeat. It's a little bit of a high that you get after the class and you want to repeat it because the way you feel after the class is that feeling that you want to keep with you through the day, but it doesn't always stay that way. So you come back to class to recover and capture that feeling and then, you know, um, sustain it for a little bit longer.
0: Yeah. So you believe in chakras and all that?
1: I do. I do. Growing up in India, you can't help but be surrounded by things that are sort of spiritual or just yoga part of, Uh, life philosophy spirituality it's all part and parcel of that upbringing and that experience so energy flows you know you're in alignment with the universe or your mind body soul connection um, or just being alignment with who you are and making sure your words and your actions and your thoughts are all sort of um, aligned to where you want to head to you know and controlling your thoughts back to yoga and the power of the mind and just being able to visualize or dream a dream and then make it happen is all just, this, it's all parts of the same whole, I feel.
0: You said you went to a, a Catholic school. I did. And with Hail
1: Mary every morning.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, with the beliefs being so different, do you ever find yourself in a conflict with your beliefs or have you been able to get a good balance there?
1: I'd say I've got a good balance. Um, you know, it wasn't ever forced on us. It was mm. just part of an assembly and it wasn't a religious doctrinated school. It was just that they were nuns. So we were very aware okay. of Catholicism, um, as I was sort of joking, but it's true. We did say I hail Marys at assembly every morning um, and because we're Parsi and, you know, we're not um strictly Orthodox we're not as strict or Orthodox in the family you know we're surrounded by Hindu and Muslim culture so you can't help but absorb all of these influences and find a way to just it was very natural as a child to have friends who are Hindu friends who are Christian or Muslim and it's less about the differences and more about the similarities um and now I live in Dubai which is you know culturally Muslim so I'm very aware of that and especially given my, Upbringing, it was part and parcel there. I've lived in London, so I'm fairly balanced in my view. I definitely believe um, in something higher than all of us. I believe there is a force. I, um, you know, say prayers, and <laughs> hopefully I won't offend anyone. But my mother had um, given me these the Hindu idols, if you like, or figurines of the gods. But I say my Parsi prayers to them, and I'm just hoping nothing gets lost in translation and they all understand each other. so um i I do my own thing and you know um stay hopeful and stay um stay in faith
0: i'm I'm Baptist so I will say this since I do a lot of different things in life, one um paranormal investigator. Uh, number two, I'm, I get into, you know, meditation, you know, the chakras, that kind of thing. And um, my, my wife is an empath. So uh, I've been told that I have certain abilities. I haven't pursued that, but I do have friends who are psychics and mediums. And it, it's sometimes a conflict for me because I have more christian friends are saying oh well that's all devil worshiping and that kind of thing but i don't see it that way Uh, because you know i believe there is an afterlife and i believe there's ghosts walking around that kind of thing and um at the same time when i do my meditations it it really helps me i've gotten off a lot of medications because of doing meditating you know i used to Beyond medicines for anxiety and uh, depression and, uh, go on and on and meditating got me uh, to where I am right now. I don't, I don't have to take those pills to calm myself down or be able to walk into a crowd anymore. Um, why, why do you think that there's such a conflict there? Isn't Doesn't the Bible make room for this kind of stuff?
1: I think, We're all a product of our bringing, right, Mm -hmm. and our environment. So if you've only ever experienced one environment and one kind of narrative, right, then you're going to believe that and believe everything else is not correct because that's all you've ever known, that's all you've ever taught, those are the people you've mixed with, you've not known different. Mm -hmm. And the minute you sort of believe that I am right and this is the only path it's going to automatically create the conflict because you're not going to be open or receptive to any other point of view or line of thinking so I think in my case because I had the experience early on of such different points of view it allowed me to be open and receptive that there is more than one way to reach the same goal right Right. Um, meditation and yoga has always been part of what is being practiced and preached in India. And so that was in my psyche very early on. So for me, if I need to calm myself, or if I have anxiety or if something's coming up that's a little bit stressful, my first port of call will be yoga or meditation rather than the doctor. You know, it's just the way I think and that's the way I've been brought up. And there's always going to be people, you know, my son teases me, I believe in astrology. He's like, he's a science student. He doesn't believe in astrology. That's fine. And that works for him, but this works for me. And I don't get so hung up on other people disagreeing with my point of view because it's almost like it's faith. It's your faith. It's what's inside of you. So you don't really have to justify it or, do the theory and the math on it. It's something you believe that's very intrinsic to you. And if it works for you, I don't believe anyone else should really question it or that you need to justify to anyone else. Prayer is a form of meditation. Meditation is a form of prayer. For me, um, I wouldn't differentiate so much between the two.
0: Whenever you do podcasts, what's your ultimate goal as far as reaching the audience?
1: I think each podcast has been really unique and different, right? And I am getting the opportunity to speak to your listeners who I may never have had the opportunity to get to know or they may never have heard of uh, me, so to speak. Um, So it's just about, it's that six degrees of separation, right? It's that ripple effect. It's trying to touch, reach, spread the word to as many people to be able to... Um, encourage them to read the book that I've written um, which is the memoir about my mother and it's a you know, the story is about a mother and a daughter relationship but it's also about human relations it's about um, navigating life its challenges finding tools that work for you and hopefully you know by reading the story if they take something away that they can use in their life then you know that's that's a good day for me um, so it's just expanding the reach if I can
0: what actually happened, if you don't mind talking about it, what, what happened sure. to your mother, and can you talk about your relationship?
1: Sure. Um, so I think mom and I would have had pretty much a typical parent-child. Like she was my uh, foundation, um, and then my teen years, maybe I wasn't as, <laughs> as uh loving if you like. I was a mouthy teenager and then as you become an adult and I moved away when I was 18 I went back to London and then it was a case of learning who I was as an adult but also appreciating my mother as an individual rather than just my mother responsible for my happiness and my well-being. And then we became friends and especially when I had my daughter I think that whole it's that circle of life right. My mother me and then my daughter um, and she helped me name my daughter and my son it's very my mother always said your grandchildren are like the profit on your capital they're like the interest on your capital it's like you that's the sweetest part of it you know you've saved up you've put your money away you've earned interest and you it's sort of like uh, winning the lottery Um, and then unfortunately there was an incident in India where my mother was living where I think it was a case of wrong place, wrong time. Um, She was out um, late in the evening and there were these, um, I'm going to say sort of thugs or petty criminals Um, and my mother got out of the car to confront them because they uh, were eve teasing my sister-in-law and what she didn't know was that they were carrying guns and she asked them to apologize and one of them didn't want to um, and pulled out a gun and pulled the trigger. So that impact sort of obviously had the repercussions physical in terms of mom falling down from the impact and you know breaking her arm and getting paralyzed. And you would sort of think that no one survives that gunshot, but my mother did survive for 25 days in hospital. Um, and then passed away because of her internal injuries and internal bleeding. But um, I think she stood up for what she believed in and she confronted even in the face of personal danger. And I think that's the legacy that I take from that, that it's, you know, you speak up, if you see something that's an injustice or you see something that's unfair, um, you speak up and you stand up for people who may not do it for themselves.
0: Yeah, what's the name of your book?
1: It's called Meher and Me. My mother's name was Meher, so it's Meher and Me. Um, it's available on all online retailers or Amazon. Um, your listeners can pop to my website, which is Farah Press, and they get a visual of some of the photographs and the imagery from the book, um, and they can read part of the story and get a flavor of the world I talk about.
0: Is Is there a meaning behind your mother's name?
1: So Meher, actually the reverse, the word is Raham, which means God's tender mercies. So it means God's mercy. So yeah, thank you that's, for asking.
0: That's beautiful. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and uh, you do social media?
1: Uh, we do social media. I'm on Instagram, Press, as well. Uh, come and follow me. Uh, I'm posting stories and obviously the podcast will be posted and little snippets from the book and my journey.
0: Well, thank you, Farah, for uh, coming on the show and sharing your story. And uh, I, um, I, I wish you all the luck in the world, and I hope you come here to to Texas.
1: Thank you very much. I look forward to that, and thank you so much for having me on your show.
0: And also I want to thank all you folks out there. If you are new to the channel, well, I hope you'll come back. Hit that subscribe button for my regulars. You guys are awesome because you make it possible for me to do this. Until the next one, everyone, please take care. Be kind to one another. God bless and peace.
1: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Listen to the Vibes. You can catch us on Buzzsprout or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook at The Vibes Broadcast Network.